Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is... Tobias Hülmatz of Heinrich Keller Auctions in Germany. And we are Conversations with Philatelists. Um, people will hopefully remember Toby from an episode we did uh, several months ago where Toby talked about his expertising. And um, uh, it was one of my favorite episodes we've done. And mm-hmm. now with the world slowly reopening, I'm very happy to have Toby back in the New York office. He flew in on the first day that Europeans, I don't know why Michael's laughing. He flew in on the first day <laughs> that Europeans were allowed to um, return Actually, to America. First flight? First yeah. flight first from flight. Germany to the U.S. Really? That's he incredible. He did not post a first flight cover, though. Um, oh. On mm. Oh, I'm sure that's been a telling Missed opportunity. Would it, uh, don't get ahead. <laughs> so Toby's been here working in our office, helping us get ready for our December auction. And Michael, you and I were trying to figure out uh, what this week's episode should be about. And then mm. we grabbed Toby and he uh, was kind enough to, to join us. Right. Of course, me. But yes, yeah. I'm happy to be on. <laughs> but Michael, there's something we've been talking about this week. Um, yes. We've been bouncing back and forth, and I, I, I think we just want to cover it. I'm not sure how much we can contribute originally to these two discussions that have been going on. Mm-hmm. But on Richard Ferjola's message board, um, which is one of the uh, centers for philatelic discourse and research and debate on the internet, there have been two discussions going on for the last week or so which I think we should cover very briefly. Um, the, the more recent and, and maybe simpler is the issue of what is a commemorative postage stamp. The other discussion, which may require a bit more um, parsing, is this discussion about philatelically inspired mail or philatelic mail versus whatever the alternative is. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a semantic discussion going on as well as a philosophical discussion. Right. So I think we should tackle the commemoratives first. So both of these both of these issues kind of uh, arose from talking about exhibiting and judging different exhibits. Exactly. And, and, and you know, they, they may seem, like I use the word semantic, they may seem trivial, they may seem superficial, right. but the importance of an exhibit and right. the, uh, you know, credence with which a, a judge um, judges an exhibit depends on the, these definitions. And I think that's why these conversations are quite important to have. So to kick off the, the commemorative discussion, I think it is co- a commonly held conception that the Colombians are the first U.S. commemorative postage stamps. Toby, what are the first German commemorative stamps? I oh, don't gee. know. Also. I know in Great Britain, it was the 1924 Wembley exhibition. Okay. Commemorative stamp in Germany. I guess you could consider it, it what must have been 1900 like these large format one to five mark stamps those were commemorating the uh anniversary of i don't know something but there was something commemorative <laughs> yeah but, but the, the the traditional definition of a commemorative stamp and and on the Ferjola board they've quoted lynn's direct uh lynn's handbook directly on this right but a commemorative stamp typically honors um, an event, a person, or a place, and is issued in somewhat limited quantities, mm-hmm. whereas a definitive stamp does not have a particular reason for its release and is generally not limited. So in the right. U.S., 
with adhesive postage stamps, the obvious answer is the Columbian exhibition issue of 1893, um, mm -hmm. $1.5. These were issued for the Columbian World's Fair, which in turn was supposed to honor the 400th anniversary of Columbus's discovery of America. And they missed the mark by one year. So it was the 401st anniversary <laughs> in 1893. But these stamps were issued for that exhibition for that anniversary. Going back a little bit further, in 1876, we had a stamped envelope or two stamped envelopes, um, red and green, for the uh, Centennial Exhibition in Philadelphia. This was 1876, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the country. There was likewise a World's Fair in Philadelphia, um, and these special envelopes were printed, very nice ornate shield design to honor that World's Fair. Um, there were also reprints made of U.S. postage to every U.S. stamp up until that point that were done for the exhibition. There's been debate, are those commemoratives? Because they were made mm. for the exhibition, but the designs themselves, the subject matter, is not commemorating anything. Right. Um, the discussion on the Fajola board has really been hinging around the 1866 15 cent black Lincoln stamp, which was issued around the one-year anniversary of Lincoln's death. We've got a Scott catalog here. We're going to get a picture of it. So that nobody knows what we're talking about. That one right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you showed me the cover. Yeah. But, yeah, but no, but the, do you want to hold it up? Oh, we can. <laughs> I think people know what you're talking about. I think people yeah, yeah, should. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so this stamp was, you know, uh, Lincoln was shot April 14th, 1865. He died early in the morning of April 15th, 1865. This stamp came out. Uh, what is the earliest known usage as listed by Scott? God. doesn't say that's helpful um but it, it, it's around april of, of 1866 mm -hmm. so this was you know up until this point the only people who had been on stamps were there were three people who had been on stamps and up until this point four people who had been on stamps up until this point mm -hmm. toby you want to guess washington washington franklin franklin jefferson jefferson and Jackson. And Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Were the only four people who had appeared on U.S. postage stamps. All of them were very far removed from their administrations. Mm -hmm. Washington and Franklin in 1847. Jefferson a couple years later. Jackson was about 20 years after his presidency. So to have this quick turnaround of one year, almost to the day, to get Lincoln on a stamp, is viewed by some people as a commemoration. Right. Okay. Because it was not normal to put a president on a stamp so soon after his death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's an argument to be made for the 1866 15 cent Lincoln as the first commemorative stamp. Um, there's also some discussion about some of the um, 1869s. Were these commemorating anything in particular? The 24 cent in, in specifically. Right. Um, so there's this weird you know, ambiguous. And then there's also the uh, debate. Does it, is there a strict definition or is this something we are imposing 150 years later and trying to apply maybe a rigid and unfair definition to something that doesn't have a, a strict answer necessarily? I, I feel like you could almost argue that there is no right or wrong answer as to what the mm -hmm. first collaborative is in the US. Well, I, I think there's a lot of, um, kind of weight behind the idea that it would be the intention of the U.S. Post Office for when issuing the stamps. I mean, after the Colombians 
historically don't all commemoratives have text on them saying they're commemorating an event. The Columbian Expo has the text saying this is what this is, this is what this is. Everything after that has had a, a label on the stamp saying it's commemorating this event or at least what the event is, if not using the word commemorative. And then they've got the two different albums when you're talking about U.S. collections. You can Mink have a definitive is, album. And, used to yeah. split it up in particular. Yeah. I, I, the other thing that's important and relevant to this debate, though, is the intended purpose of the stamp. Right. So the Colombians notoriously cost $16.34 to buy a complete set. $16.93 mm -hmm. was not a little bit of money. And this 1866 Lincoln stamp, 15 cent stamp, was issued to pay a very specific postage rate to Europe. Right. This was a, a useful stamp because prior to this point, you needed a 12 cent and a 3 cent or 3 5 cents or something like that. Here, all of a sudden, they're fulfilling a specific rate. So right. I think even if, you know, look, it would be a it's impossible to argue one way or the other what the intentions of post office officials Fair. were 150 years ago they were obviously aware that it was the anniversary of lincoln's death they you know they they it, you know maybe that's why it's warning cover it could it was warning a, color when, when when warren g harding died in 1923 yeah. they issued the black the harding. Yeah. exactly so maybe that's Th too. that that may be something to it as well um but i think what puts it firmly I don't want to say firmly, but what suggests a definitive status for it is that this was a, a necessary stamp. Mm -hmm. They were going to be issuing a 15 cent stamp anyways, probably. And it just so happened that Lincoln had died a year earlier. Let's, you know, uh, kill two birds with one stone, honor Lincoln, but also give people a stamp that they need versus a $3 Colombian that has essentially no legitimate purpose. That fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I like how you navigated oh, around the word. There must there have been. Were, there uh, must have been. International overweight. Yeah, I was just saying. Right. Okay. You, you, sure, you yeah. could find a way, but, but okay. they were not essential. If you'd only no, had a $1 sure. stamp, it would have been just as practical to put five $1 stamps and yeah. one $5 stamp. Right. Uh, you know, when you right. think about what it costs to engrave, produce right. the stamp. So I, I think this debate, uh, again, about commemorative versus definitive, um, you know, it... it through the early part of the 20th century, it seems pretty cut and dry. You have the Washington Franklins that are definitive, and you have the North American and the Huguenot Walloon and the uh, Lexington and Concord that are obviously commemorative. I feel like for most of um, for most of uh, this country's philatelic history, there's been a very clear dividing line. Um, right. But in the 1860s through 1890s, they weren't really thinking of commemorative versus definitive. This is a, a concept that was invented by stamp collectors, not invented by the post office itself. Right. Can I... Until kind of recently, they, I mean, the post office will now issue things to commemorate people and say they're doing so. I mean, there was the reissue of the Colombians that were commemorating the commemorative stamps. Yes. And have you ever seen those um, uh, glassine envelopes? Um, Every like face value collection we get in has them. Um, it, it's a, a glassine envelope they put complete sheets in and printed on it. It says like collect commemoratives. It's yes. fun. Yeah. So there's an instance of the post office using the word themselves. Right. Um, before we segue into the other well, more interesting conversation, can I just say one last thing? Please. Everyone knows what, what's the name <laughs> of the I forgot the name, but this. 
funny looking purple one. Correct. The the National Recovery Administration. The National Recovery. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah my, right. You know, Scott 732, three cent purple in 1933. <laughs> um, there was a lot of debate when the stamp came out. Is okay. this a definitive or a commemorative issue? Because there were directives from the post office that this stamp would be sold preferentially. If you went in and said three cent stamp and didn't specify what you wanted on it, they were supposed to give you the NRA stamp. That's suggestive of a definitive. It also wasn't commemorating a historical event. It was commemorating something that was contemporaneous. It was issued alongside the rollout of this government program. Um, so there was a lot of debate at the time. Is it commemorative? Is it definitive? And then some people even said it's neither. It's a propaganda issue, which um, you would really want to water as you make a third category. <laughs> but, but it shows this is a debate that is not unique to today. It's not a debate that's unique to the 1860s. This is one of these things where whenever we try and impose a an arbitrary structure upon mm -hmm. stamps that were issued a very long time ago, um, there's inherently going to be some disagreement. And I think that these debates and discussions are a huge part of what make the hobby fun. And ultimately, it's up to each individual whether or not the Lincoln, the 1869s, the um, uh, I believe even the, the Garfield um, is another one yeah. that is considered to be an early commemorative or the 1876 postal stationary issue or the Columbians. You can really take your pick what you believe the first U.S. commemorative is. Conventionally, we've said it's the Columbians, but that doesn't mean that the case is closed. And I think this is something that will continue as evidenced by the number of posts. Um, you know, a lot of times somebody asks a question and somebody answers the question and that subject quickly mm -hmm. falls off to the to the next page but this has um, been this getting, going in like an ongoing discussion for the past like two weeks or something there exactly uh amongst a lot of people who don't even yeah. collect commemorative stamps whose interests mm -hmm. are in the imperfs and the stampless you know that this doesn't even cross over but it still strikes a nerve with them and i think that's yeah. very interesting so speaking of the lack of necessity for dollar value colombians and dollar value trans mississippis and everything Brings us to the second point, which relates specifically back to exhibiting, which is there is mail that is considered to be philatelic mail. Yeah. So, Michael, if in 1894 I sent you a registered letter with a $5 Colombian on it, mm -hmm. and the rate for a registered letter was much, much less than $5. Right. I was just looking for an excuse to use a $5 Colombian on cover. This is philatelic mail. Mm -hmm. This is mail that was contrived, that was created by a collector for a collector, typically. Yes. In America, what I've noticed through this discussion is we don't have a great term for the alternative to that. We have a German with us right now. <laughs> Toby, what is the German? <laughs> he flew him in for this call. He flew him in yeah, just, just, to, just to have him pronounce this word so that I didn't have to. You did it so well. Uh, Toby, go ahead. So for the non-philatelic non mail. Yes, Bedarf's post. Bedarf's post. Okay. Well, how would you translate that? Basically, it's a uh, mail that needed to, for let's say business purposes or also private purposes, be sent without uh, yeah, the intention of just getting a used stamp or a nice looking envelope. So you could call it necessary mail. It's necessary mail, basically. Necessary mail. Yeah. But um, there's also there in, in Germany, there's a thin line of what is 
necessary, Great. I thought. For instance, if an old-time stamp dealer would send off his price list to his clients, some people say, yes, obviously it was necessary because he needed to sell his stamps. And <laughs> other people even consider this as philatelically inspired because right. two medalists in the end uh, sent back and forth that mail. And they may have used stamps that were... They, the, not the standard, they, not they, the standard they, they stamp. Right, they right. didn't have to use those yeah. stamps, yeah. Right, yeah. So, and I, I think this discussion is hinging upon a couple of things. The first of which is, I don't think people like defining something as a negative of something else. So you have philatelic mail. You don't want to call everything else non-philatelic mail. No. You want to have a word that is positive in connotation. So can't they just use postal use? I, I've heard commercial mail, but that typically yeah. limits it to business correspondence. Right, right. Personal letter. But... Which is necessarily at least for for the old classic German parts. That's a large portion of what has survived. Is it business the business correspondence? Yes. Okay. Um, ordinary mail is something that's been thrown out. But yeah, I think, but that can be confused with registered, at least from a exactly. non-native speaker. Or ordinary right. okay. could also mean like first class. Yeah. No right. special services. Right. Um, right. I, I think that necessary is is a, is a good word. Um, but this deems the other to be unnecessary. It's not nice. True. <laughs> true. There's really nothing you can call either category without insulting the other category. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 you know there are the, you know if a if a stamp dealer knows what he's doing, like you said, mm-hmm. it, it may fill a legitimate rate, but they just use. For example, uh, number five hundred five mm-hmm. is yep. uh, an error. It was a sheet of two cent stamps, and they accidentally put a couple of five cent stamps in the shade of two cent stamps. If a stamp dealer, most people would use that stamp without looking at it closely. Sure. They figured it was a you two cent it's stamp. A two cents. Exactly. If a stamp dealer knew what they were doing with that five cent stamp and paid a five cent rate with it. Yeah. Is that bizarre? At least the way I would see it, yes. But yeah. like I said, there are people that would consider it not to be bizarre because it's right. sent by a dealer. And there's certain things like that that you can you know, there's certain rare coils or there's certain mm-hmm. rare types of, I'm thinking of, of like the early 20th century US, there's a type one and a type one A or whatever. There are certain items that you can only get on cover if somebody knew what they were doing. Same in Germany. I mean, there are so many services you could use and combine to get a certain amount of postage together. And obviously some of them were only in play for a week, a few days even. And people would run out and, and people stuff just wouldn't care but the people the philatelic people they knew what's the correct postage so they made up these covers in the end but still they are mailed through the system they have been received by they were handled by the post yeah they office. were handled by the post so from my view it's it's bizarre and do you think that judges should consider the intention of a cover when judging an exhibit tough question um, b- because this relies so much on personal view, difficult. Yeah, I don't think so. If, 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 if but let's just say a, a five dollar Colombian. Yeah, I mean there are there are covers that are obvious, metallically right. inspired, and there's even well known. Is it Wilson who sent all the British covers? Yeah, there are a lot of people like it's, this with, where, where there's a well known correspondence. You can yes. see the sender, and you go, "Oh, that's a so and so cover." Yeah. Mm. And with the, for instance, with the German plebiscite, 
there would be like many cities. We wouldn't have a city Markov if not for those people who went to every town. Can you explain to people what a plebiscite is really quick? They don't know. Okay. After. <laughs> I'm sure they know. So I'm sure a lot do, but yeah. Just... So so basically, after uh, World War One, the country the parts that used to be German and um, they had people vote to which country they want to belong after that. So it, it was Germany and people could decide we want to go to Poland and we want to go to Germany. And these are the plebiscites basically. And in these plebiscites, there were probably a few main post offices. Yes, and all the rest the was, was very, very small towns with maybe like 50 to 100 inhabitants. And these postmarks would be lost to history yes. had stamp collectors and dealers not gone to them and sent mail through their system. Yes. So in that case, the only way to represent a small town in your collection it's is with a cover of one of those people. Which is something contrived. Yeah. So it's almost not something that we should look down our nose at because they were no definitely not for, for yeah. many things like i said nothing would have survived yeah. they were doing those us a favor acting there years later. yeah 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 okay yeah that i mean that's 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 a point that's interesting the, the, there's an, an entire area of philately that can only be collected because other philatelists existed and thought it would be important otherwise they wouldn't be able to there'd be no history of that yeah, postmark and these people, most of the times, they made up covers which are correctly franked and everything is fine. They have all the cancels, whatever is needed to be considered a Bedarf's brief. And just mm -hmm. because it's from that correspondence, people say, no, uh, it's made up. Because they knew what they were doing. So people almost had to be ignorant of what their what kind of mail they were producing in order for it to be considered legitimate. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think many people in the German market uh, hold that viewpoint that it's lesser because it was created by a stamp dealer? Or do most people... No, no, no. Pe most people do understand, for instance, if they collect plebiscite, they know if they want the, the commercial mail or the Bedarfspost, they, they will most likely only have covers from the bigger cities and the rest they will just have to skip. But most of the people do appreciate that people did this 100 years ago and collect mm -hmm. this as well. It's almost like Zeppelin mail as well. Yeah. yeah. Where there it's, were, it's there, like, were, there was mail legitimately carried on Zeppelins because that was the very little of it. No, it was all, all was carried legitimately on, on there. It was just not fulfilling an actual yeah. purpose. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But there, there was some mail carried on Zeppelins. They didn't care that it was going on a Zeppelin. They cared that yeah. it was getting to but point B. That, the Zeppelin is actually interesting. When, when you look at, um, like, for instance, Zeppelin with free francs, mm -hmm. like 15, 20 years ago, no one cared about it. They thought, what the heck? Because there were no stamps. There were no stamps. There was no nothing. But now there are enough people that really appreciate that this is like really a commercial usage, and they're right. welcome. Yeah. Right. So the so the Zeppelin stamps kind of now that are flown without any stamps at all are you're saying appreciating more value than the ones with stamps, or is it just a new kind of market that's popping up that people are gaining recognition of I wouldn't actual say new, but, but more and more okay. people yeah realize yeah. that or or like that aspect that it's commercially mm -hmm. done this mail yeah it looks like at the time we're recording this Friday morning it yeah. looks like some of these conversations have simmered down which mm -hmm. You know, even though these have sort of latched on and, and been spoken about for a couple of days, nothing on the Fragola board lasts more than 
a couple of days usually, and uh, it's, it's always fun that there's something new and exciting. But I think these conversations, even if they fall to the third or fourth page on the board, mm-hmm. these are things that will continue to come up time and time again. Um, and I think these are probably things that have been discussed, you know, going back to the early days of the hobby. So, um, you know, I, I think it's fun to have these. There's a lot in this hobby that has been settled that is old news and yeah. things are a certain way. And I love that there's still aspects that are up in the air that we can, um, you know, you sit back and, and watch people, uh, you know, it's like watching a watching a presidential debate or something. We can watch people voice <laughs> their opinion and then uh, pick which side we like. So I think yeah. that's, again, this hobby has been going on for 160 years, thereabouts. And we're still fighting about things from the 1860s. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. No, but I mean, it's it's important because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to change how people collect or even kind of the prices of the material. If you label this item as a commemorative now, I don't think the value of the 15 cent Lincoln is going to change whether or not uh, Minkus makes it and throws it in the in the commemorative side. But... Um, yes, yes, one more point. Yeah, 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 please, please. There's actually, there's also, um, there are obviously German stamp discussion boards. And mm-hmm. there's uh, currently one topic where people decide um, a loose stamp with a certain cancellation. Can it be expertized as genuine when no Bedarf's post is known Ooh. from this, from this um, town or this Interesting. cancellation? And yeah, there's a, a wide uh, spread idea of what's the truth <laughs> and, and this huh. is something american collectors might not realize that i think is is just an interesting related point but in europe and i would say germany in particular cancellations are very important stamps. yeah obviously if you have the inflation stamps you have stamps that are worth nothing without mm-hmm. a cancellation and right, hundreds but, of thousands. but this specific cancel so with german colonies and with these plebiscites yeah they can they people collect by by cancel by cancel by yeah. post office yeah. whereas i mean people typically collect postal history like that in the states but i don't think there's many if any people who are trying to get an 1869 stamp with every typically we didn't cancel the stamp with the town name no you have these with killers attractive mm. Yes, but in Germany, it was the actual town name. It was the town name. Canceled the stamp. So yeah. you can have a, 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 a German East Africa stamp. Yeah, that's actually what a lot of people collect. And they collect Just each From town. A to Z, all the cancellations that are there. And, and, and most people, yeah, it, it's tough to afford a collection with covers. So, right. yeah. So in your opinion, if you have a used stamp with a cancellation unknown on a legitimate cover, can that be expertise? since you are an expert yourself. <laughs> in general, yes, but there are, again, many, many soft points to it. Like, uh, is this known on other covers? Even if they're philatelically inspired, does this only come on very expensive stamps and so on? Yeah, so it's, yeah. So do you from- see this affecting certificates down the road, this, this conversation, or is it just kind of a lighthearted conversation, or is this a serious change how certificates are issued no i don't discussion. think so it's okay there are too many towns um or actually I, I discussed this with another german expert from uh some german colonies there are no covers known mm-hmm. but still there are loose stamps and and pieces with that cancellation 
And obviously, it's possible to expertise whether this right. strike comes from the genuine device or not. Hmm. Just because no letters have survived, it's uh, yeah, no reason to completely object to the cancel. Hmm. To wrap up this discussion, I think we should go around. So sure. you just learned about this discussion a couple minutes ago, so you have an unfair disadvantage here. Michael, uh -huh. what's the first <laughs> United States to remember? I, I, yeah, the the Colombians, I'd, I'd feel, really. It's... I would stick to the Jefferson staff. Was it Jefferson? No. No, the, um, the, the Lincoln? Lincoln. The 15 cent Lincoln? Lincoln qualifies as a commemorative. Thinking of it now, yeah, I would think so. I'm going to split the difference and say the stamped envelopes from 1876. <laughs> okay. And we'll wrap this up now. <laughs> um, no, Michael, Toby, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I, I, I think um, following along on these debates is, is a lot of fun. And I urge everybody, no matter where you are, I, you know, the Fajola board typically skews more advanced. Um, but there are uh, it, a lot of things you can learn as a new collector, as a beginning collector, even as an intermediate collector. Um, from reading this message board. So we'll put a link in the comments in the description. Um, but I really do think that everyone should check out the Ferjola board. I check it um, probably about 10 times a day. You are supposed to work job. <laughs> I, keep, uh, I keep the tab open in the background. If the tab open and I click refresh every once in a while. Um, but and there's certain days where nothing gets posted. Those are very long days. Um, but I, even if you're not as obsessive as myself, I think everyone should check out this uh, this website. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a fantastic resource, and I've I've learned a lot from it. Definitely. Excellent, Toby. Toby, thank you. Thank you for flying thank in you. for uh, this call. Exactly. And now uh, we know how to pronounce Bedarfsburg. You can go home now. I will in a few hours. You're... Have a have a safe flight back. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is available on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Our website is flatlypodcast.com. Email is flatlypodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter. And uh, But if, you're, if you've made it this far into an episode, a year and a half into the show, you probably know that we're on Twitter. So uh, Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's all I've got. Michael, thank Toby, you. thank you guys thank very you. much. Toby, thank you so okay. much. Uh, until you. next time. Talk to you soon, Michael. Right. Bye. Bye.